1: Hello and welcome to Kilkenny Today here on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM and you're tuned in to myself and Nolan and I'll be filling in here for the next hour on the show and uh, if you want to get in contact as always our contact details are 056 777 and the text line directly here into the studio 086 353 7782 and we are streaming live around the world on www.communityradio ie. a packed show as we always do on Kilkenny today. Uh, In a few moments I will be speaking to Katrina Carr and she is a researcher in cycling with Kilkenny County Council and then um, my colleague here Frank Tynan, he spoke to an economist, uh, Dr John Daly during the week and that is in relation to uh, working hubs and uh, uh, the whole idea of bringing working hubs uh, to different parts of Ireland. And then, as well, later on in the show, I'll be speaking to Sinead Nolan, and uh, Sinead is from Crumlin Children's Hospital, and it'll be uh, all about uh, Christmas Jumper Day 2020, and uh, that's a little bit later on in the show. Um, But... uh, We'll start with uh, Katrina Carr, who is a researcher in cycling with Kilkenny County Council. Students returning to school in St. Canis and Loretto after the mid-term break had a pleasant experience outside of the school gates. On the phone now, I am speaking to Katrina Carr, who is researching cycling in Kilkenny with Kilkenny County Council. So, welcome to Community Radio, Kilkenny City, Katrina.
2: Thank you very much, Anne.
1: So, um, first of all, tell me, and the listeners, what was the issue um, outside of the school gates at these two schools in Kilkenny?
2: The had been conducted with students from both schools, and what the students were saying was that nobody felt safe walking or cycling to the schools. Um, And this was really a vicious circle, because then people took to the cars, creating more... Uh, traffic outside schools, huge congestion and then um, very very little space for pedestrians or cyclists outside the schools. So there was a huge problem with traffic and of course this also brings with it the effects on the air quality which is something that you don't want to be worrying about outside a school gate with with young lungs. Um, So basically there was very little space available for walkers or cyclists outside the schools.
1: And then there was a safety issue as well wasn't there?
2: There is, of course. I mean, with that amount of traffic and with that amount of cars, moving around outside of school, there's always safety issues. So I suppose the first step, um, I know we would have been working very closely with the principals of uh, Canis's and Loretto over the summer, and there was... um, you know there was a one-way system put in place in Kansas schools um of course there's staggered class times now as well with covid which which eases the problem but a huge factor was that uh, st james's park was identified as a possible park and stride location so we were um kilkenny agricultural society worked very closely with us then on um making st james's park available so that has become um, a park and stride location, and that has made a huge difference. So even children who live um, further than walking or cycling distance from the school can now walk the last part of the journey to school.
1: So what way does it work with St. James's Park? Do the parents drop the children to the park and they walk in the rest of the way to the school?
2: Yeah, that's what we're encouraging, Anne. So, I mean, what we're encouraging is for parents to find a drop-off place on their journey, particularly with the older students, so that they're not coming up to the school gates. We're trying to create a safe school zone outside the school gates. And I suppose over the last few days, people will see bollards going up to protect the cycle lanes because, unfortunately, the cycle lanes have been used as car parks around the schools. So the ballers are going up there now to protect the cycle lanes. But as well as that, we have been asking parents that if you do have to drive, then please don't drop at the school gate, because that's what's creating the dangerous environment for students.
1: Yeah, and and also as well with dropping away from the school, it is a good advantage because it's encouraging the students to exercise more.
2: Of course it is, of course it is and, um, you know, first of all the teachers notice the positive start to the day for the students and for secondary school and I really think of exam students when you think about their long day in school and the amount of time that they spend in a sedentary position, the amount of time they spend studying then again when they come home, it's very hard to fit in these bouts of exercise that are so crucial. So having that 10 or 15-minute walk in the morning can be a fantastic start to the day. And as well as that, it's social a lot of the time. So you'll meet others, you know, on their way to school. You'll have time to have a little chat with friends. Um, But it is like the physical activity is a hugely important part of this. Yes.
1: And you touched there and you said about um, the health aspect of it and the the healthy lungs and children breathing in fresh air because they're walking or cycling to school. But also as well, it's um, less carbon emissions and it's a cleaner environment as well. So I think everybody is like will win from this.
2: Well, that's it. I mean, there's never any regret when people make the shift for, uh, to walking and cycling because the benefits are for the wider community. And uh, like what we noticed, I suppose, when we started in St. Canice's with the Park and Stride, is that you know, you know, for so the parents and maybe the younger siblings, were walking students down to the school gate so I suppose a lot of children would use the back gate onto the Freshford Road you know and and it's a lovely way to start your day because it's not the rushing it's not the hurrying it's a nice relaxed stroll and what we noticed as well is that over a few days that children were then walking independently and that's a huge thing for children nowadays that we don't have that children nowadays don't have that many opportunities for independent travel and there's a lot of benefits from independent travel. You know, children will grow in confidence. They'll become familiar with their environment. Um, you know, so, so those little benefits are there as well. So it really is a win-win situation.
1: And I can imagine that this would also tie in with uh, one of the schemes that Sean O'Harrigan is involved with, where they cycle to school and there's... A pick up points for parents to meet with the children and they all can cycle then in convoy to different schools around Kilkenny and it's safe and it's monitored. I think that would tie in with this as well. Do you not think so?
2: Oh hugely and I mean Sean has been a huge driver and a huge advocate for cycling to school and the numbers this year in the Grail school have been absolutely amazing and I know um, as part of Kilkenny Day They had over 200 cyclists in school, um, and that's cyclists and scooters. But the cycle buses that Sean has started have been, um, you know, they they can be a very important little link because there might be some parents who mightn't be confident themselves, maybe, cycling children to school. So to have the little cycle buses organised can actually just make it, you know, um, open it up to other children as well. So the numbers over in the Grail School on bikes this year have been really, really fantastic. And it it is just such a wonderful way to start the day. And it also gives you your connection with your local environment. You know, you get to know your local environment. You get to know Kilkenny, your way around the town. And um, I know, like say, with the, the, the might be children coming, because it's the Gwale School, I suppose, it has a wider reach than some of the other uh, local schools. So they might be coming from other parts of town. And, you know, you might be cycling along by the river on your way to school. And there's no better way, really, of starting your school day.
1: Yeah, because I I come from that end of town where I come through to come here to work. And I have to say, I have seen what you just said about the gull and about the amount of cyclists and like the students going there and coming from. And it's just, it's brilliant. I think it's a fantastic idea. It's great for, like we said, it's for the environment and for the children's health. But it's just, I think it's a fantastic idea and I think it should be rolled out all over the, the city, like, and more, maybe more schools get involved. And if they all kind of came together, it would be very, very beneficial for the children and for the schools and for everybody.
2: I think so. And what you said there is very important about, you know, all schools can work together. So you can be on the same cycle bus, but you can be going to different schools. You know, you might turn off at different points. So you've really put your finger on the button there. And, you know, it's a case of a Kind of changing the culture a little bit bit by bit, and the fact that there may be more parents working from home now, more parents with flexible working hours, you know, we have opportunities now that we've never had before. Um, Roads are quieter, and there's huge plans in place in Kilkenny County Council regarding. Um, with regards to cycling infrastructure. And like, I mean, what's happening over in Loretto and Canada's on the Freshwood and Granges Road is temporary at the moment, but there's, you know, there's long-term plans in place for um, connected cycling lanes and infrastructure. And um, if you combine that then with flexible working hours for parents and maybe more parents working from home, and in a position to support children when they start on their cycling to school, um, you know, maybe the conditions are better than they ever have been before for shifting towards sustainable transport modes.
1: Yeah, because Ian Gardner, a city engineer with Kilkenny County Council, has said that the local transport plan is currently in preparation and they're hoping that details um, will be available soon. So when do you think maybe that you can see this being put into place and that that, that this will um, come out of, say, out of the, the planning stage and go into the actual doing stage?
2: Well, I suppose um, what's happening now is, is a temporary infrastructure, but that will actually work really well. Um, so, And I suppose that's what we'll be trying to do in the meantime while we're waiting for the more permanent plans. Um, so it'll probably be towards the end of next year. So the local transport plan, of course, has been delayed a little by COVID, but that should be ready in the next couple of months. So once the local transport plan is in place, then we can start on the detailed design of the cycle routes. And then, of course, that will follow then with, there will be plenty of consultation and the consultation process has already begun with cyclists and we're working closely with the Kenny Cycling and Walking campaign group. And then I suppose the next stage after that then will be putting the actual infrastructure in place. And the plan would be that there will be quite a bit of segregated cycling facilities because I suppose the segregated cycling facilities are quite important if we want to have children cycling schools. And of course, we do have a medieval town centre, you know, and that's what makes Kilkenny unique. That's a huge um, you know, I, I think people are very proud of the medieval centre, but it, do, it does, of course, pose challenging uh, pose challenges for uh, cycling infrastructure. Um, and it may be more so about um, slowing down traffic in, in the heart of the town. And then, I suppose, on the more on the radial routes, we'll hopefully have a fixed
1: our segregated cycling route Yeah because today um, in the news it was announced that there's a new school going over at the wetlands there off the Callan Road so that's yes. going to be great great asset to the city as well
2: yes and the cycling infrastructure you know when when you get the chance to incorporate it at the early phase um you know that that's a wonderful opportunity and that has that has been incorporated into that new school so um you you know there will be plenty of opportunities going forward as well the challenge remains with the old infrastructure that's where it's more challenging
1: Yeah, because you just said there it's going to tie in and and you can see over there as the engineers are working there every day and they're putting all that new road and the new roundabout in over on the Callan Road, you can see that there is going to be cycle lanes and that the new part is going to uh, intertwine with the older part over there. So I think it's going to be a fantastic idea and it's going to, like we said, it's going to benefit, benefit everybody going forward.
2: It does. I mean, when you prioritise pedestrians and cyclists, it benefits everyone. And, and we have to remember that the more people that are walking and cycling, that the more cars that were taken off the roads. That leaves more space for the people that have to use cars as well. Um, but, it, it, you know, there's, there's, as I said, there's all the other benefits. Like, so there's reduced congestion, but there's also reduced air pollution. There's more connections to the community, which is a big thing, you know. um so, like the benefits, as I said, are I suppose it's, there's an awful lot of social interactions that happen when people are walking and cycling that don't happen when you're in the car as well. You know, so there, there are there are benefits for everybody.
1: Yeah, but it's also I think it's up to parents and guardians as well that they encourage children from a very young age. I think a lot of people are are inclined to hop in the car to go to school or go downtown. I think if. If, say, from young age, if they're encouraged to maybe walk or cycle, it would be a great benefit.
2: That's it, and it does take encouragement, you know, and you do have to get set up in the house for it. And particularly this time of the year now, we're facing into the winter. Um, but in Kilkenny or, and in Ireland, um, like we actually don't have... That many, uh, we don't have as much rain as we seem to think we have, you know. And we can prepare for it, so it's like it's having the gloves, it's having the wet gear, and um, you know, it's having the bike ready in the morning. It's those little things, but once you start cycling, that just becomes part and parcel of the everyday routine. Um, and I suppose then there's also a body of work to be done around making sure that parents have the confidence to help their child to cycle and to find those routes to school. Um, and also to do that type of road education with children. And that's currently taking place at the moment under Bike Week. Um, you know, and children are being brought out on the road. And, and that's an, that's an important piece too. That you know that the education is there and that the confidence is there, so people will choose to cycle.
1: Yeah, you're a hundred percent right there because I have seen um, even over weekends on a Saturday and Sunday, and you can see families out with very young children cycling across the ring road. So it's like you said, where the those parents are putting those ground rules in place go, for children going forward, and it's encouraging them to actually. know to cycle and as they get older and they build up the confidence you can see them then maybe they're going off on their own and grouping in with one of these cycle buses and they'll be able to go to school on their own steam
2: yes absolutely and then that extends later on in life as well and we're like, like young people are probably much more accepting of sustainable transport modes than other generations and if young people can manage with buses and walking and cycling they're happy to do so so it's about making sure that we have the right environment in place and so that people can make that choice um and if you look at some of the uh, companies i suppose that are in sepenny if you look for example at cartoon saloon and cartoon saloon could have hundreds of artists in and animators in at different times of the year and if they're, only, if they're going to come to Kilkenny, they want to be able to get around by bike, they want to be able to walk or to get the way around the city by public transport, because that's the accepted way, you know, in other cities. And it's something, I suppose, that's a change for people who've been living in Kilkenny. Um, but it's but, but but that is the way forward. And as you say, young people are very, very open to that. And it's not as much maybe on their list of things to do that they have to have the car, and they have to, you know, be able to drive around the city Um you know that sustainable transport is actually the way forward
1: and mayor of kilkenny john coonan is also on board with this great idea and uh, he's delighted that uh, the kilkenny county council are implementing these measures um for a safe school zone for children going forward
2: and, you know, we're lucky that we have a mayor who loves being on the bike as well, because I know John cycles loads as a child and I think he hadn't cycled then for a good few years and he did a reintroduction to Cycling course with the Sports Partnership a couple of years ago and I suppose rediscovered the love of the bike and the ease of travel by bike. And one thing about the bike as well is if you're in town on the bike, it's so easy to go from one part of town to the other. It's not like you're parked up and you have to stay there. So, I mean, John um loves going around by bike now so it's fantastic to have a mayor who is very supportive
1: yeah and I think as well if children see the mayor going out and doing it well then it's going to encourage them to go and do it also because especially when the likes of the mayor of Kilkenny comes to visit a school or comes to visit a centre they these are young children who are going to look up to these people that are coming in to visit them so they're obviously going to follow in their footsteps to some degree.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why it's important, you know, that we're all out there as role models and that cycling isn't just about, you know, sports cycling, it's not just about going out on at the weekend with the lycra like cycling is a form of transport it's a way of getting around and you can be uh, wearing your suit and on your bike or you can have your mare's chain on and you can be on your bike or you can be going to work you know and be on your bike so that's that's a very very important message to get out there yeah yes
1: well, with that, um, thank you very much, Katrina. Uh, that was Katrina Corr, who is a researcher in cycling with Kilkenny County Council. So thank you again for taking the call and taking part in Community Radio Kilkenny City and Kilkenny today.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity,
1: Anne. No problem. Thanks a million. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City
0: 88.7 FM.
1: Yes, you are tuned to Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM and you're tuned to Kilkenny Today with myself and Nolan. And as always, you can get in contact with the show and have your say on 056 double seven. Six two seven double seven, and the text line directly here into the studio zero eight six three five three double seven eight two, and we are streaming live around the world on www dot dot ie. Now during the week, my colleague uh, Frank Tynan spoke to John Daly who is an economist and they spoke about working hubs and how they can benefit people who are working from home uh, especially in this uh, COVID uh, restrictions and in the COVID-19 restrictions and the lockdown that we find ourselves in at the moment Um, but uh, like I said Frank uh, spoke to John during the week and this is what they had to say.
3: The regional co-working analysis uh, prepared by the three regional assemblies of Ireland found that 387,000 private sector workers are capable of operating remotely in Ireland. Joining me now on Kilkenny today to discuss details from this report is John Daly, economist with the three regional assemblies of Ireland. John, how are you? Many thanks for joining us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City.
4: Hi, Frank. How are you doing?
3: good to talk to you. Um, just maybe for for listeners perhaps who are not familiar with the regional assemblies, would you be able to give a small little uh, brief overview of, of the work that's been done there?
4: Yeah, so the uh, three regional assemblies of Ireland, we're officially kind of the regional tier of local government of Ireland. Uh, we kind of play a, a key role in advocating for policies and preparing research that will support uh, regional development uh, across Ireland. Uh, so this kind of involves kind of providing advice support uh, other appropriate uh, public bodies on the regional uh, implementations of their policies and plans uh, with our kind of specific focus on regional planning and regional economic development.
3: Excellent, excellent John and um, I suppose again I just mentioned some of the figures there but the the analysis that we're going to talk about now, more than one in four private sector workers are capable of operating remotely, um, Mm. the analysis from from research has shown, which is really interesting because again I suppose for me personally I think I suppose COVID-19 has maybe got people kind of considering possibly moving away from Dublin, maybe down the country, but obviously we are all kind of in need of um, of hubs and broadband and so on, but it's, it's interesting results.
4: Mm, yeah, so so obviously with remote working very much becoming part of normal working practices, you know, the, the three regional assemblies felt it was important to develop an analysis which kind of identified the number of private sector workers that were kind of capable of operating remotely, in each county. And as you said, one in four private sector workers, according to our analysis, are capable of operating remotely. You know, applying that just 387,000 on a national scale are likely to be capable of operating remotely, uh, with just over 186,000 of these are likely to be based in Dublin. I suppose, Frank, on a local authority basis, it was notable that the potential number of uh, private sector workers that were capable of remote working were notably high in local authorities that had urban-based uh, high populations, where with the highest number of private sector workers uh, uh, that were remote workable, uh, likely to be in Dublin City with just over 84,000, uh, Rat Down, just over 39,000, uh, Singal just over 34,000, Car County at uh, 29,000, and South Dublin uh, with just over 27,000. And then the other kind of local authorities that kind of stand out in terms of the highest numbers in terms of the top ten ranked, where, for example, it's all based in the Greater Dublin area with Kildare, Meath and Wicklow, as well as also, you know, Munster-based uh, local authorities such as Limerick City and County and, and Cork City, recording notably high numbers of private sector workers that were capable of remote working, uh, essentially. Um, I suppose from a, a Kilkinney yeah, perspective... Yeah,
3: I was right, going to ask, yeah.
4: Yeah, our analysis kind of estimates that just over six thousand private sector workers that are living in Kilkenny are likely to be capable of operating remotely. Which, from the ranking basis, is ranked in nineteenth uh, out of the thirty-one local authorities based in Ireland. So we'd we'll be at the kind of lower end of the uh, scale in terms I of, see of that
3: remote in the figures. working. Yeah,
4: yeah, in terms of remote working capabilities. But also, in addition to the uh, identifying the private sector jobs. We also identified the number of co-working hubs that existed in Ireland, obviously because the degree to which remote working can be capitalised on very much is uh, dependent on a number of factors, but one of those factors would be the availability of high-quality uh, co-working hubs. So in terms of our analysis, uh, we found uh, just over identified just over a uh, uh, total of 330 uh, co-working hubs in Ireland as of September 2020 with uh, 105 of these hubs located in the southern region, which would include Munster, but also counties in the southeast, such as uh, Kilkenny, Watford, Wexford and uh, Carroll. Uh, specifically in terms of Kilkenny, uh, the, our analysis found that uh, only four co-working hubs were based in uh, Kilkenny, all of which were in Kilkenny Town, which would be the joint lowest number of hubs recorded in a local authority in the southern region. Uh, that said, though, this would be favorable in terms of hubs compared to other rural-based counties, such as uh, Longford, where no co-working hubs were available as of September 2020, and uh, Cavan and uh, Monaghan, where only two co-working hubs were available as of uh, September uh, 2020. So obviously there's a lot of implementa- implementation uh, that comes as a result of this uh, research. So just to kind of maybe give you a bit of context, uh, by using the European Commission research that we were provided, we were kind of able to identify uh, the workers that were capable of operating remotely in the private sector. And these were broadly based in kind of high-level sectors, such as the ICT sector, the finance sector, professional and technical services sector. And I suppose, uh, considering the nature of these jobs, it's highly likely that these jobs were concentrated in uh, urban areas around Ireland uh, prior to the outbreak of COVID-19. Therefore, such figures kind of reinforce how remote working and they kind of provision of additional co-working hubs in places like later in Kilkenny uh, can offer a degree of flexibility to workers, which wasn't available really before the outbreak of COVID-19, while simultaneously opening up an array of economic and environmental benefits for all of our regions and for kind of more rural-based counties, uh, such as Kilkenny. So, for example, you know, prior to the outbreak of COVID-19, uh, workers who would have liked to live and uh, worked in Kilkenny, uh, but couldn't do to the these geographic location of their offices were very much restricted to living in urban settings such as maybe Dublin City or Cork City however now with you know the outbreak of COVID-19 has showed that these uh, types of private sector workers can operate remotely which you know therefore like by supporting remote working uh, policy makers can allow some workers to live and work in geographical areas of law and choice which may include Kilkenny Uh, remote working could reduce business costs associated with commercial properties in certain sectors open up residential opportunities in our cities from old commercial properties reduce traffic congestion in our cities and towns while also improving the local economies of uh, towns, rural based towns maybe based in the likes of Kilkenny and Enhancing uh, overall, enhancing our the quality of life of our workers, really. I was so going to say, uh, yeah, I mean, the
3: there's so many fantastic um, stats there, John. And but even, I suppose, in relation to the psychological side of, of working now, I mean, I suppose many people are working from home for the last since March, but many people mentioned that they, they, they missed the camaraderie of working maybe as part of a group and getting into a different space and keeping their home separately. So, this is really a fantastic opportunity, isn't it, as we develop more hubs.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, Frank, we believe in the long term that the believe that the degree to which regions can capitalise on the potential benefits of remote working, as I said, will depend on a variety of factors, uh, including but not limited to uh, the availability of co-working hubs with high-quality facilities and also the provision, of course, of high-speed broadband within such homes. Because, obviously, that allows the economic benefits to take place, but also the social benefits that you just talked about there. So in this regard, we kind of feel that the results show there's far more potential for developing high-quality co-work hubs of scale in all of our designated regional growth centres or key towns, which in this case would be Kilkenny town, uh, in the case of Kilkenny County, and other prominent rural towns uh, based in Kilkenny. So, on a high level, the assembly feel that it's imperative that policymakers provide uh, adequate funding to ensure high-quality hubs of scale are delivered. Uh, in these areas, uh, kind of with, with this in mind, <clears throat> our report kind of provides eight areas of consideration uh, for policymakers, which, you know, should assist them in developing additional co-working hubs across the country. So this would include, you know, providing a detailed consultation with private firms that are seen to have workers that are capable of operating remotely, kind of getting their views on factors that need to be addressed to allow their workers to work remotely, kind of a nationwide survey on the capacity of other homes, kind of looking at a survey that looks at the ideal work location of private sector workers that are capable of operating remotely, seeing where they actually want to work. But also then the analysis kind of touches on more kind of policy-orientated kind of recommendations or considerations. For example, our analysis suggests uh, exploring the possibility of providing employers with a tax credit for every employee that is allowed to operate outside of their head office in Ireland. Uh, kind of as a means of encouraging private firms to let IES work in geographical locations of their choice, uh, the analysis also urges kind of policymakers to enhance the level of re- uh, funding provided to the uh, Regional Enterprise Development Fund and explore match funding opportunities in that regard. Ensure the delivery of additional hubs, and that also this kind of practice should be reflected on the, the resources that come from the European Regional uh, Development Fund. Just to ensure that additional. Uh, co-working hubs of scale can be delivered. And then finally, Frank, we really f- feel that we need to safeguard funding for the National Broadband Plan <clears throat> to allow for the delivery of the broadband connection points across Ireland, ensuring uh, remote working opportunities are allowed in rural communities. So all in all, we, we feel that, you know, by uh, provi- uh, kind of, uh, providing these considerations, the policymakers, they should assist them in developing additional co-working hubs of scale uh, across the country which will open up an array of economic and environmental benefits for our region. Uh,
3: hopefully, uh, I mean, as uh, I, I you speak about numbers there, hopefully as a city and county here in Kilkenny, we can actually get more hubs and um, can we do anything locally, uh, John, in relation to maybe increasing our hub base t- here in Kilkenny?
4: Well, uh, ultimately, I suppose, Frank, it's all about in terms of see what, what resources can be provided and what additional next steps need to be taken. While the report definitely shows that there is potential for additional co-working hubs across the country where they actually need to be located and what additional steps need to be taken have been outlined in the report haven't been outlined in the report as we know we acknowledge in the report this is not the complete picture but i think with the considerations that i've just outlined especially in terms of the surveys additional an additional evidence base can be built up which should allow us to kind of identify maybe a suitable site across the country in areas like, like such as kilkenny which could be more uh, susceptible to developing economic benefits if a co-working home was
3: put in place. Well, it's really, really optimistic, John. John Daly, economist with the three regional assemblies in Ireland. Many, many thanks for such a comprehensive review of what's what's happening at the moment and what can happen in the future. It's really, really, um, I think, very positive. Thanks very much, Frank. John, thanks very much for your time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
4: Bye.
1: Yes, and that was my colleague uh, Frank Tynan, and he was speaking to economist John Daly and uh, in relation to working hubs and uh, the brilliant idea that they can uh, offer to people uh, in relation to either working from home or working from one of these hubs and the uh, procedures that need to be put in place for uh, these hubs to actually work and to for people to be able to benefit from them. So thank you very much uh, to Frank uh, and- First speaking to John Daly um, from, uh, he was uh, sorry, an economist and that was from during the week. Now a traffic notice, um, Friday the 6th of November, Ward and Burke Construction Limited on behalf of Irish Water will be carrying out a, a water main upgrade on Bateman Quay at the junction of Johns Bridge until Friday the 6th each evening uh, uh, from 6.30pm to 6am and that is to facilitate the upgrade of the water main and temporary traffic management will be in place, and local access will be accommodated where possible. And Kilkenny County Council apologises for any inconvenience caused there. And also, uh, Kilkenny Gardaí are um, they're investigating where a man suffered a broken nose after he was assaulted. On Church Lane in Kilkenny City on last Saturday, the incident occurred shortly after five p.m. and Gardaí are appealing for any witnesses to contact them in Garda in Kilkenny Garda Station. And the contact details there are zero five six double seven seven five zero double zero. That's zero five six double seven. 75000, and that is in relation to an assault that happened on Church Lane in Kilkenny City last Saturday where a man suffered a broken nose and Kilkenny Gardee are investigating. I'm going to go through a quick break and when I come back after the break, I will be speaking to Sinead Nolan from Crumlin Children's Hospital and we are going to be speaking about the the Christmas Jumper Day 2020, which is on the 11th of December. And it's uh, they're asking for everybody on that day to uh, deck yourself out in your Christmas attire and all in aid of uh, children, all in aid of Crumlin Children's Hospital. So when I come back after the break, I will be speaking to Sinead Nolan.
0: We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. County Kilkenny schools
1: and clubs are being asked to join in the Christmas Jumper Day, which is supporting sick children in Crumlin Children's Hospital. On the phone now, I am speaking to Sinead Nolan, and Sinead is the Schools and Youth Development Executive for CHF Crumlin. So welcome to Community Radio Kilkenny City, Sinead. Good morning, Anne. Thank you. So Sinead, first of all, maybe tell me a little bit about your job and what your job involves at uh, CHF Crumlin.
0: Okay, Anne. Um, Well, I have a fantastic job. Um, I get to work with the local community schools, creches and our colleges around the country uh, to help them fundraise for CHF Crumlin. And in this particular uh, time of the year, we're looking and calling on them to join our National Christmas Jumper Day and to help sick children in Crumlin. And so uh, we launched on Monday and um, we hope to have a very successful campaign. We got a lot of support last year and we managed to raise a fantastic 150,000 euros for Christmas. for Crumlin last year so we are hoping to hopefully achieve that uh, or even maybe if we could smash it that would be even better Um, and that's our aim for this Christmas. And
1: that would be amazing wouldn't it?
0: Amazing yes amazing and you know we work solely on our support from the local schools and communities uh, clubs and groups um, around the country and we aren't government funded so we depend directly on uh the continued support from the public which we thankfully uh we we get in droves and, and and we're delighted that um we're delighted that so many uh people come back to support us year on year and this year more than ever we we need that you know so
1: sinéad tell me and the listeners what exactly is the children's health foundation Cromlin, and what the organization does
0: Okay, well, CHF Cromlin is the fundraising organization for Cromlin Hospital. Um, we support the hospital, um, but we also support the NCRC, which is the National Children's Research Centre, which is also on the grounds of the hospital, where pediatric research takes place for um, all sorts of illnesses um, and treatments, and um, including um, childhood cancers, diabetes, uh, cystic fibrosis and so on and so we would fund the research projects there and um, on the hospital side of things we fund um, a number of areas some of it would be involved in upgrade of the building and so on some of it would be involved in um, providing the cutting-edge technology that is needed and um, and and improve the early diagnostics of certain illnesses and and so on. Um, And then on other areas, we kind of help provide the wraparound service for the families and for the patients themselves. So we have uh, holistic therapies that we would fund um, that would work in, uh, uh, coincide with, you know, um, medicated treatments. but also there's a little bit of an escapism there for both the patients and sometimes even the parents. Um, Music therapy, which is uh, hugely popular in the hospital um, and a great way for the children to kind of get to forget where they are. Um, On another area, we also have the Giggle Fund, which is a fund that we supply to each ward on a monthly basis. And it just gives them funds to go that extra mile for the children that are there so it might maybe even something as small as uh, a birthday party for a child that's there and like we have to remember all the time that some of the children are there on short stays some of the children are there in and out in the one day you know for a checkup or for a clinic and so on but there's some very very ill children that are there for long long periods of time some are there from even birth you know and and Uh, For us, National Christmas Day is very special because sometimes this is the child's maybe perhaps their first Christmas ever and they're spending that in in hospital and sometimes it's, uh, it's the only place a child has spent Christmas. So we need to make Christmas all the more special, you know, for everybody that's there.
1: Yeah, and there's over 150,000 children going through the doors of CHF in Crumlin each year. That is a lot of families who are depending on on the hospital and on the research and on the services that that hospital provides to each and every one of those children. It is, and
0: It's it's a lot of children coming through the doors every year, 150,000 children. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of fantastic work that goes goes on there every single day. It is a very, very special place to be. You know, you just have to walk the halls and you get a sense of how special it is. Um, and, you know, for some children, it is home. For some families, it is their home. And so while everyone is there, we try and make sure that um, everybody gets exactly what they need. Every child that enters there. Um, We say every child deserves every chance. So that's what CHF Crumlin is all about.
1: And then as well, all the research and all the behind the scenes that goes on in there as well, like you said, that costs a huge amount of money to keep up and keep running. Uh, on a day-to-day basis so you do need the likes of this national christmas jumper day and other fundraising events to keep those vital services and keep everything going the way it should be going
0: yeah yeah like i mean every day um in crumlin our dedicated teams of doctors and nurses are fighting to save lives of critically ill children you know, so we want to give them every every opportunity and every chance they can have, you know, to have the best outcomes. Um, thank God we have the best supporters, you know. Um, a lot of people do support because they've had an experience of Crumlin, um or maybe... Um, they have had a sibling or they've been in the hospital themselves over the years, you know, the hospital's there a long, long time, Um, so we're very thankful and grateful for our continued supporters Um, you know, we just wouldn't be able to do what we do without them
1: And speaking of supporters, you have a very famous ambassador uh, Rob (laughs) Carney, who has lended his support throughout the years for uh, CHF at Crumlin
0: we we do. We're very very lucky. Um, Rob is extremely generous with his time and support um, for uh, Crumlin. He he's been our ambassador now for a number of years, but um, he he definitely goes above and beyond. Um, last year he actually attended the hospital and turned on the Christmas lights with some of the children too. And um, so we're very grateful for all uh, his time and effort. And um, it, it always helps. Um, to have you know, somebody help us get the story out there. Um, so we are, we are extremely grateful um, for all his support over the years.
1: And Sinead, what are you asking of the people of Kilkenny and the environs of Kilkenny? What are you asking this Christmas from everybody and how can people get involved?
0: So it's really, really simple to get involved. All we're really asking is to wear your festive Christmas jumper and to make a small donation. Now you can do, or take part in Christmas J- Jumper Day as simply as that, um, or you can go, you know, the extra um, mile and have some more festive fun along the way and in Christmas games and activities. So um, what I found over the years is a lot of schools will um, take part in christmas jumper day and then they on top of that we will organize games or christmas bakes or christmas parties and so on and um, and uh what we would do is we once you're registered we would send you out a christmas jumper goodie pack and in that it would have everything that you need to have kind of the fun filled day and um, now this year obviously we have um a lot of restrictions and so on for the schools who are doing a tremendous job and and so we have also managed to create our christmas jumper day website which where the schools can log on and they can also download all the art activities and games for the classrooms so we will post everything out to them but they can also have access to that too Um, So if they wanted to do that, they can log on to ChristmasJumperDay.cmorf.org, and all the information is there for them. Um, And they can set up a a fundraising page for the school, which will also help them to uh, make it an easier process um, for the donation from uh, the students and parents involved.
1: And this year, especially, has been very, very strange and has been very stressful on a lot of charities and a lot of organizations that are doing tremendous work, including yourselves. Have you seen uh, a reduction in, uh, say, intake in donations, say, to yourselves? Um, Because even now more than ever, you're going to need the help and support of people.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, now more than ever, is definitely, you know, the words of the moment, um, especially coming up to Christmas. Um, Obviously, this year, you know, everybody was caught off guard initially, and we had so many um, fundraising activities set up and events set up that all had to be cancelled. But, you know, um, we're very resilient as well. And, and, so many people were so quick to adapt and help us to move the fundraising online, move their events to, like, virtual events. And, you know, we had teams of, uh, uh, of people that were in doing uh, marathon challenges, um, dance at tons um, uh Zoom uh, parties. Uh, everything was done either individually or virtually, uh, um, but still managed to come together as like team efforts as well. So we're we're extremely thankful um, for you know for people just adapting to the situation and just being determined to make you know uh, everything that they've done such a success. You know, there's there's a lot of extra heart extra heart being put into things. I think this year in particular.
1: Yeah, well, I think with something like this, I think it's people sh- should get a, a clap on the back because they really, really do go above and beyond for a, a charity or for an organisation that they feel strongly about, and rightly so.
0: They do, they do. And, you know, especially for schools this year, they've... They've really had a lot to cope with um, and, you know, we we get a lot of support from teachers in school where we, we're well aware that they often could use the funds um, for for their own school as such. Um, having two school-going kids myself, I know how, how that works, you know, and how it's always needed. However they choose to help us, so we try and give back to them in the way of, supporting them throughout this campaign so if they sign up to this campaign we will give them all they need to run the day we'll give the children plenty of activities and artwork and games and so on so that they're having a a festive fun day also you know and then in the background that we're all very conscious that we're trying to make life as best we can for the sick children in Cromwell.
1: Well, Sinead Nolan, uh, Schools and Youth Development Executive at CHF Crumlin, thank you very much for taking the call today. And can I just wish you and all your colleagues uh, up there at uh, CHF Crumlin the very, very best of luck and the very best of luck with uh, Christmas Jumper Day, which is on Friday, the 11th of December. And uh, again, thanks again for taking the call.
0: Thank you so much Anne and if any of the listeners would like to get involved please log on to Org, and we will give them everything that they need to join and thank you so much for your support
1: and thank you again to Sinead Nolan from Crumlin Children's Hospital they're speaking about Christmas Jumper Day and we spoke earlier on this morning also thanks to uh, John Daly who was speaking to my colleague Frank Tynan uh, during the week and uh, about the work hubs and also as well thank you to Katrina Carr from Kilkenny County Council uh, that is all I have time for on the show today uh, stay tuned for more great programs coming up after me